Hey, it's good to be back with you. Thanks, as we always say, for you being with us. And hope this blesses you and also uh, share it with other people. Uh, send it to them. Let them know about it. And if this becomes a blessing to you, maybe it'll be a blessing to other people. Today, we're handling the series, The Gospel. And we're to the last point of the, the story of the gospel or the definition of the gospel, which is uh, the return of Christ. And I'm going to be using uh, Acts chapter 1. 8 through 11, and I want to read it to you. Uh, this is after the resurrection, right before the ascension, which we handled last Sunday. Jesus said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. There's the ascension. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing or looking up into heaven? This Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, and this is where we are today in the sermon, will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven, the promise of his return. Let's, let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child will understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. Any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation, if you prompt me with it, I want to be obedient to speak to it. And then, Lord, um, you look at all of us, whether they're listening or watching or both, and uh, uh, I, I know that you see all of us, but you see me differently. I'm under a greater in a more strict judgment because I'm your preacher and your teacher. And I, I know that and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus I pray, his name that I preach, amen. I use this passage in Acts 1, 8 to 11 to, really as a segue to move the story of the resurrection and the ascension and then his coming again all in one move. And Acts 1, 8 through 11 does that. This is a resurrected Jesus giving them instructions. And then we have the ascension happening. And then we have the angels who came and challenged the disciples, get on about your business. And they said, the same way you watched him leave, he will come back again. I just want you to know that heaven is well aware that Jesus will return. Um, in the scriptures, it's often taught uh, references of Jesus in his return, and then also uh, the teachings of, of the ones who wrote the New Testament. For example, Paul, as he's writing about communion in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, this is what he says. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Even in communion, uh, Paul uses that as a teaching point to look for the return of Christ. <clears throat> so Jesus knows he's returning. Uh, he taught that he's returning. Others taught that he's returning. It's a common teaching, and uh, the Lord is counting on his return. <clears throat> so the sermon today is not um, about specific views of his coming again, like premillennial, postmillennial, all millennial. We're not going to get into those topics today. Nor are we going to talk about the times or the seasons of his return, because there can be a whole lot of emotion wrapped up in all those. 
uh, in the in the timing of it all. And I, and I, I just I just as a preacher, I want to give you a warning because I, I hear dates prescribed, books written on times that it's going to take place. Uh, I remember when I first started uh, in the ministry, um, I started pastoring my first church in 1986. <clears throat> 1988, we got a book sent to all preachers and it was uh, 88 ways the Lord's gonna come back in 1988. So I don't, I don't wanna get into that today, but I do wanna make you aware of some things that scripture says to us about who has the authority and the knowledge of his return. Acts chapter one, verses six and seven. Um, so when they had come together, this is really right before I just gave you our intro text in, in verses eight through 11. So when they had come together, they asked him, the disciples asked, Lord, uh, are you restoring the kingdom um, to Israel at this time? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the father has set by his own authority. So the timeline is really under the authority of the father. Look at Mark 13, 32. Now concerning that day or hour, no one knows neither the angels in heaven nor the son and really no one except the father. It does, heaven does have knowledge. The son does have knowledge that he's going to return. But as to the day and the hour, he said, no one knows that except the father, which is really gonna get us into our sermon today. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you uh, and let you know that scripture challenges us to look for his quick return. Revelation 22, verse 12, Jesus says, look, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to repay each person according to what he has done. Revelation 22, 20, same chapter, just a few verses down. He who testifies about these things says, yes, I am coming quickly, amen, come Lord Jesus. So. Scripture will challenge us to even think and look for and pray for the swift return of Christ. Uh, so today we're just gonna look not at the specific ways, dates, times, and seasons. We're gonna be looking at the fact that he, there is the promise and the certainty of his return. Martin Luther, uh, who was a part of the Reformation uh, he, he had a quote, he said, preach or live like Christ was crucified yesterday, raised today and coming back tomorrow. And all of that has the emphasis of just be ready. Preach and live like Christ was crucified yesterday, raised today and is coming back tomorrow. And I think that pretty much sets the stage. And uh, that's not a direct quote from Martin Luther, that's a paraphrase from what he has said. So what does the return of Christ have to do with the gospel? Well, it fulfills it. Uh, when he came, when he came uh, in, in his coming, uh, he is uh, coming to us in the incarnation as the babe in Bethlehem, he is coming. Uh, that's the first advent, the first coming of Christ. And he came as the sin offering. He came as the lamb of God and he takes away the sins of the world and he's born in obscurity. So the second advent, his return, is he's gonna be removing his people, he's gonna bring their reward, and he's going to descend with royalty. Uh, he is a king, he's the line of Judah. 
no longer the Lamb of God, but the Lion of Judah. And he would descend with royalty. Look at 1 Peter 1, 4, and 5. I want you to get this picture about what does the return of Christ have to do with the gospel? Well, it's bookended. He came in Bethlehem as a babe. He had his mission of salvation and rescue, uh, paying the penalty of our sin on the cross, defeating death in the grave with the resurrection, ascending into glory. And in that, he is ruling and reigning uh, his authority, his intercession, his direction of the church and the Holy Spirit. And then one day he's going to return and he's going to culminate all that together. He's bringing, so the bookending is there. His first advent, his second advent is going to be the completion. And I think First Peter says this, sometimes this, this passage is overlooked here. I think it fits perfectly. First Peter 1, 4, and 5. Peter writes, we have an inheritance that is imperishable. I've used this recently. Uncorrupted and unfading, kept in heaven for you. But I want you to look at verse 5. You are being protected by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And in a reference to the coming of Christ, our salvation is maturing and processing and progressing along the way. And one day when his return comes, it's all going to come into full circle. That's what it has to do with the gospel. His return completes the mission of the time he very, his, his very first advent. So what do we do now? We live in a state of readiness. And I've taken the passage in Matthew 25, 1 through 13. I'm going to have to read it, then we're going to walk through it together. And it is 13 verses, so hang with me, okay? Uh, it's the parable of the ten bridesmaids and how they need to be ready for the return of Christ, and we do. It says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish did not take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy, fell asleep. At midnight, they were, they were raised and roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming, uh, come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast or the banquet, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. The picture in this is the groom is the Lord Jesus himself. The bride is his church. The custom of that day was that the groom would be off with his attendants and he would come to the house of the bride and, and meet her and her family there and then take that wedding party over to his house. Uh, so the bridesmaids had a, uh, a job to do 
and they were to wait for the bridegroom, for the groom to come, and then connect the groom and help the groom be connected to the bride. So they, they have something to do. It's an honor to be chosen to be a bridesmaid. Uh, so here's the picture of this. The, the groom is the Lord, and then the bride is his church. The bridesmaids represent all of us. There's a special invitation here, and we live in that invitation now to come and be a part of the kingdom. There is a standing invitation that the Lord gives, and that is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, who believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. There's this, there's this invitation for you to come to the Lord and for you to come into his kingdom. It's a standing invitation. So the bridesmaids represent those people who are invited. And they are there to serve the groom, serve him and connecting him with the bride and then leading them on to the greater banquet. So the parable has, Jesus has them separated in two groups, the foolish group, five of them, and the wise group, five of them. Actually, I love word study and word language. And in the Greek, um, it is uh, the word that is used there for the foolish ones is the word we get our English equivalent is moron, which means they're you're just not just not connected here. They're just kind of disillusioned on what's actually going on. And so the foolish ones did not have enough oil. They weren't prepared, and they were not respectful of the invitation. Just just kind of halfway passing it off. And, and, and in the scholarship of this, they are looked at as unfaithful. The wise had more oil than they needed. They were ready, prepared, respectful of invitation and the honor to serve, and they are found faithful. It said that uh, the, the groom was delayed. The delay is the timeline between his first advent and his second advent when he came as a babe in Bethlehem and then his return. So he, it is delayed. We are waiting is the picture. And the waiting time has its own difficulty. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got its, its own stuff, you know, because we're living in today. But the picture here is we must endure and we must be ready. Even if we're tired and weary, it says they've fallen asleep, be ready, take it seriously. Now the wise bridesmaids did fall asleep too. They're tired and weary, but they still had their lamp prepared and they had enough oil for the duration of the delay. They had that. So uh, take it seriously of what is going on. The, the, then there's this cry at midnight from the attendants of the groom, which would be Jesus that they are announcing the arrival of the groom himself, Jesus. So the foolish bridemaids are not ready for the delay. Uh, they want to share uh, with the others, let them share their oil. And you need to understand, we need to teach sharing, it's important. But the picture here is, the, I, I am not gonna give an account of, of your life. I will give an account of my life. Uh, I, I, you're not going to give account of, of mine. I will give an account of mine. And the picture here of the oil is, even though we're taught to share and to be generous, uh, the picture here is that oil represents your own accountability 
of taking this invitation seriously and looking at his return seriously. Uh, it's an example that you will give an account of your life. You will not give an account of mine. So the groom's arrival, uh, the groom's arrival is too late. It's way too late for you to be ready. What happens here is uh, they go off and buy, they go somewhere else, that's very important. They go somewhere else to go get enough oil. The groom comes, meets the, uh, the five wise bridesmaids. They go off to the banquet together. And at the banquet, um, the banquet represents eternity and heaven together. And they go off and it says they shut the door. So the bridesmaids that have gone to get more oil come back. The, bride, the groom has come. They've gone to the wedding banquet. They're knocking on the door to get in. And the Lord says, I don't know you. The groom says, I don't know you. Uh, the door is shut. When the door is shut, it's going to be shut uh, permanently. Uh, I want to tell you, I've been pastoring a long time, 36 years. Everybody wants to be a part of heaven, but not everybody wants to go through the same channels to get there. And there's only one channel, and that is you have got you have got to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the groom, he's coming back for his church, and you need to be looking for his return and you need to take it seriously. You need to be found faithful and ready and prepared for his return because you don't know when it's going to be. You don't know when it's going to happen. And I know everybody wants to get to heaven, but the picture here is, uh, even the five foolish bridesmaids wanted to be a part of the banquet. But here, listen to me. They went somewhere else when you shouldn't be going somewhere else. Do you pick up on that? Do you see that? Where, where else are you turning other than the Lordship of Christ? Who else are you looking to be your Savior? What else are you worshiping other than Him? And there's going to be a day when he gathers his people in the great banquet of heaven, and then he's going to shut the door. And if you're not ready for that, he will not open. He even told them, I don't even know, I don't even know who you are. Believe me, I, I don't even know you. So we know about the groom. We know about the bride. We know about the banquet. And some are ready and some are not. Some are faithful and some are not. Some are going to be welcome into the banquet and some are going to be shut out of that banquet. Even in our own churches, we can have, all of us can have lamps. All 10 bridesmaids had lamps, but only five of them had enough oil to endure the, the time and the delay of the groom coming. Listen, make sure you're prepared. Make sure your heart is there. Don't go anywhere else. Uh, with the pandemic, a lot of people have left and they said, well, I haven't left the Lord. I want to remind you, he's coming back for his church. He is coming back for his bride. And I, I want to I be a part of that banquet where the groom is meeting his bride. I want to be a part of that banquet. Don't go somewhere else. We do that way too much. You're casting your own ideas on how I get to heaven. These are ways I think I get to heaven. You're not gonna to get to heaven by the ways that you think. You're gonna be that which is already set by the Father. 
It's already set. You only come through the groom. You only come through Christ himself. And I want to leave you with Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. For the grace of God has appeared with salvation for all people in the person of Christ, instructing us to deny godlessness, worldly lust, and to live a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, and that Paul uses that as a reference to the coming of Christ, while we wait for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, what does the five bridesmaids who have plenty of oil, what does that life look like? It looks like this. We, the oil can even be referenced to the grace of God. For the grace of God has appeared with salvation for all instructing us, deny godlessness, deny worldly lust, and live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way as we wait for his return. These people, these people that he mentions in the latter part of this verse are the ones who are going to make it into the great banquet. Uh, the door will not be shut on you. You'll be a part of the banquet. I pray that you find yourself there. Listen, be ready. You hear me? Be ready. Don't, don't look. Don't worship. There's no one else as your Savior other than Jesus. Make sure you're there. Make sure you're connected to the church because he's coming back for his church. It's his bride. He's coming back. He loves her deeply. Uh, and make sure you're ready on that, okay? Make sure you're ready. That's where I want you to be. I hope to see you there in that great banquet day. Remember, we love you. I love you. Tyra and I, we love you. And what do we say to each other before we leave? Grace and peace. Make sure you live in both of them. God bless you.